Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. It's your host, Robert Hunt, where we look at the week's financial news that can be a bit confusing, misleading, and take you off course, and we hope to make it actionable, understandable, and clear. Got another good one for you this week. Three articles we're going to take a look at. First one at the top, Wall Street Journal, about artificial intelligence. The hype as an investor, the temptation to chase nowhere to nowhere for investors to hide from AI hype. Look at that. Second article, retirement savings changes you should know about for 2023 to 2024. The Secure 2.0 Act. Love these names. The lawmakers come up with Secure 2.0 Act. Has a bunch of stuff in it, <clears throat> some of which you should know. And then in a harrowing tale, should you make it to the end of the episode, hope you do, we're going to look at an ex-Morgan Stanley broker in Texas, our own Southlake, who is pleading guilty to stealing from not only his mother, but I believe his mother-in-law as well. So, goodness me. At the top here, Wall Street Journal, nowhere for investors to hide from AI hype. Investors thinking of putting money into artificial intelligence need to apply a little real intelligence first. I thought this was a good article. I thought this was helpful. Mr. James McIntosh. Investors thinking of putting money into artificial intelligence need to apply a little real-world intelligence first. The gold rush began by chat bot chat GPT. It's quickly turned into a mini bubble. And for those of you who don't know, chat GPT is a artificial intelligence program that is really good where you type in a question it spits it out it, it knows everything from the Westminster Confession of Faith like the back of its hand to some random rap song that you may listen to or that you listen to in your youth it's kind of incredible so it, it definitely uh, got people's attention and wouldn't you know it investors want to know how do I make a nickel on this deal well, <clears throat> this article accurately talks about how AI hype has been around before with Watson. You guys remember IBM's Watson, where it would play the quiz show Jeopardy? And IBM stock actually surged. I didn't know this. This article explains. Surged as w Watson went on to win the contest in 2011, and it was launched commercially. But get this. IBM shares have plunged more than a third since peaking shortly thereafter. So this, whoa, what a lesson. I've been tempted continuously in my individual stock picking days, but even in my phantom individual stock picking days. I encourage you not to pick stocks, but to place paper trades. Okay, so if you think you're such a good individual stock picker, just make a note. Oftentimes we don't keep record. Send yourself an email. If I was an individual stock picker, I would buy this stock today for this amount. And then just track it. Typically, it's a humbling exercise because if you listen to past episodes, you know that a very small number of stocks contribute to the rise in the stock market. Most of your security selections are going to be losers. It's the couple of winners that lift the tide for everybody, which is why the Almighty Index Fund is our preferred vehicle for investing. But here we go. Didn't know this. Those IBM shares plunged more than a third since peaking. And... What are we to make of this? Well, it's just hard to know. It is very difficult to know which product is going to make 10, 15, five years out. Tough to know. So here we are. We find ourselves today in a not-so-different position. And this time, IBM is not winning. Those poor folks kind of had their day in the sun, and other folks are winning now. 
NVIDIA. The article is continues as a chip maker that trades at 44 times estimates of their 12-month forward earnings. After even after analysts doubled their estimates, and that might probably mean nothing to you. It may mean something to you, but it probably doesn't. Uh, what that means is that the market expects NVIDIA to do very, very well in the future. Therefore, it is paying more per dollar of earnings than it is for another company because the market has an expectation that it will grow into those earnings. Now, index fund investor that you are, hopefully, this doesn't have anything to do with you. You are happy for it to trade it 44 times future earnings, and you're happy for it to trade it four times future earnings. You just need some earnings. And over time, you don't have to make those capital allocation decisions. You're letting the market do it. However, in a hype cycle like this, I think it bears mentioning that you may be tempted to dip your toe. Bro, a little, little overweight waiting here. The article says um, there are AI exchange-traded funds. The biggest is BOTS, B-O-T-Z, the Global X Robotics and AI ETF. Now the this tells you people are doing this. 19th largest inflows of any ETF tracked by facts set in the past month, despite not making the top 100 by size. So people are doing this, all right? Investors are saying, whoa, I don't want to get left holding the bag. I want to participate in this artificial intelligence gold rush. However, however, let us remember, this has happened before, and you really don't need to worry about this as an index fund investor. Kind of the final word here as he closes the article this is great. Oh, this is so good. If you're thinking of buying a fund that uses AI to pick stocks for you, and I've talked about that, don't get your hopes up. The oldest of these is AIEQ, the AI-powered equity ETF, which has used IBM's Watson since 2017. Since its launch, it has returned 34%, including dividends against 82% for the S&P 500. And it's currently underweight in video, paradoxically. The AI doesn't believe the AI hype. But let, let, let's just do a quick review here. Friend, this fund is going to get tossed to the waste bin. There's really high percentage chance. If, if it continues to lag the market, they're just going to hammer it. It's going to be done. We'll replace it. An AI fund that has trounced the market. Ah, you see what's going on here then, investor. The marketing departments of these places are not dumb. They are, if, the, if you launch 10 AI funds with the robots picking the stocks, guess what? They're subject to the same humbling rules of arithmetic, and therefore, they are not going to outperform. Some will, some won't. But when they trot out the one that does outperform, guess what? You might be tempted wow, there's an AI bot that can outperform the market. What you won't know is nine AI bots failed to beat the market. And you just happen to be the guy or gal that bought it. So beware, avoid, stick with your market cap index funds. They're awesome. Next article by Leonard Sloan, Retirement Savings Changes You Should Know About for 2023-2024. The Secure Act 2.0 has all sorts of provisions that take effect between now and 2027. Here's when they kick in. I want you to know, investor, this stuff just nauseates me. It makes my head hurt. When, when the government keeps introducing more and more complexity into your investing decision-making and more and more 
ambiguity into what should be done, I don't believe it does you a service. However, because we're here, because I'm here, it's important that I know this, but it's also important that, that you know this, just so you know your options. And also, what a lot of this does affect financial planning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit some of the highlights, but uh, article explains some changes happen this year, some next year. In 2025, limits on catch-up contributions to 401ks and simple IRAs will be increased. Fun. Uh, but here's, here's something that I, that's, that's been happening, okay? Required minimum distributions. Some of you listening may know about these required minimum distributions. If you are older, so let's say you have an individual retirement account, and you can start taking those distributions at about 59 and a half, but you must, hence the word required, you must take these distributions at 72, typically. Typically. So the original Secure Act 1.0 pushed it to 72. Now it's 73 for these RMDs. In 2033, the age for taking RMDs will rise to 75. So for my younger listeners, whoa, they keep pushing and pushing and pushing these RMDs back and back and back. Well, this is a financial planning decision. The further they push this back, the more optimal it is for you. It's just giving you an option. You can take the RMD when it comes. You're going to have to do that. But you don't, you don't have to wait for RMDs. You can take the money earlier. It's just giving you an option, okay? But what it does make you think is, okay, do I really want to do that Roth conversion? Do I really want to take the tax hit today with the idea I'm going to avoid the tax hit tomorrow, okay? So this is going to be a bit of a chalkboard exercise here, but you have the Roth, named after Senator, Senator William Roth, bless him, and the traditional IRA. You also have the regular 401k, Roth 401k. It's a bit now of pay now, or pay later, okay? So to help you memorize this, the Roth is pay now, all right? The traditional is pay later. Roth, pay now. Traditional, pay later. So when you're contributing to these accounts, the, the calculus going on in your head is, okay, if I pay now, I'm not gonna have to pay later. Those Roth contributions, there are no RMDs, and when you receive the money, there are no taxes. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> However, you give up something. Traditional 401ks, traditional IRAs, you get a tax deduction today. But when the money comes out, it's taxed at ordinary income tax rates. So you're playing a game. It's not always obvious which decision you should make. A lot of it just depends on your personal financial situation. So, But this, this pushing, pushing, pushing back of RMDs, it does make you think, well... This might really work out. People are going to be able to really manage when they take these funds, and it does make the traditional not seem so bad. Uh, moreover, the Roth, used to be the Roth could only go in the uh, uh, regular 401k, Roth, Roth 401k and a Roth IRA. Now you can do Roth contributions to your SEP and simple IRAs. These are other kind of IRAs that uh, self-employed folks, folks with fewer employees, <coughs> excuse me, will use. So, hey, great. More options there. And then, uh, what else do we have? Uh, some catch-ups. Oh, this is a cool one. Secure Act 2.0. Here we go. Beneficiaries of 529 accounts. You know those those edu college education accounts, but they can also be used for up to 10000 bucks a year for private school. 
But those 529 accounts can roll over up to $35,000 of leftover funds to a Roth IRA in the name of the 529 beneficiary. Whoa. So let's say you got a 529 for a child. That child then doesn't need the money for college for whatever reason. Full ride at uh, their school of choice and they have a bunch of money in 529. Well, what do you do? Well, you used to have options where you could change the beneficiary, make it a nephew, make it another sibling, whatever. Well, now you can actually roll over $35,000 to a Roth IRA in the name of that child. Now, these rollovers are subject to the Roth IRA annual contribution limits, but you can just pop up over a number of years. And the 529 must have been in place for at least 15 years. So they don't want any gotchas. You can't just kind of overload a 529 and then try to pump it in there. Um, so, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Roth IRA 401k contributions will no longer be subject to RMDs during the owner's lifetime. That's pretty cool. It's a new change. Uh, this will bring Roth workplace plans in line with laws governing Roth IRAs, whereby plan dollars are excluded from RMD calculations. You know, that's not such a big deal. If you're working a really long time, it's a big deal, but you can always roll those monies over um, to avoid that. So, uh, anyway... There are some more little wrinkles in here. Just just know that when the government knocks on your door and says, hi, I'm here to help you retire, it usually means more complexity. Don't be a cynic. Take Let's, let's take advantage of all the wrinkles here. I, I really do think they are trying to help. However, my experience is it really doesn't help. Uh, folks are overwhelmed. I wish they would just reduce the number of options and make the options really good, but they're not going to do that. So, in closing, a harrowing tale, ex-Morgan Stanley broker in Texas pleads guilty to stealing from mom. Isn't that a headline? A former Morgan Stanley broker in South Lake, Texas, pleaded guilty on Tuesday to stealing at least $1.5 million from his mother and mother-in-law. Doug M. McKelvey, 58, admitted to charges of money laundering and faced up to 10 years in prison. The U.S. Attorney's Office said from June of 2013 to February of 2022, McKelvey misappropriated the funds through, get this, 300 fraudulent wire transfers. According to the SEC, McKelvey used the money to pay for vacations, cruises, restaurants, other personal expenses. So, article also included, here we go, well, they've, they've said he's sorry, he worked at UBS previously. Um, a spokesperson for Morgan Stanley noted the wirehouse fired McKelvey in 2022 after it detected, huh, it detected McKelvey's unauthorized activity and misappropriation of funds from a limited number of client accounts held by his relatives. Whew. So, the more and more I read these articles, the more and more I think, one, it's not enough to trust, I mean, these are real names. Morgan Stanley, I think last week's we had uh, another big name brokerage house. This article even references that. Um, I believe it was... Uh, da -da -da. Merrill Lynch, um, and it's it's really not enough to trust these brand names for your account security. Now, I like trust a little bit, but verify. I don't like trusting blindly, and the violation of a trust with a family. That's that's even worse. But we've got to just read our statements, okay? So first thing is we don't have to give people discretion, even if it's your son. You don't have to give him discretion of assets, custody of assets. You can take his advice and implement it yourself. Separate the two functions. Separate the two functions. So, great, I'm going to receive advice from this financial advisor. 
This is how the Robert Hunt financial model works. Fantastic, I will pay him for advice, and then someone separately will implement that advice, meaning me with my mouse on the computer, or if that's more than I want to do, I can call up Fidelity, Vanguard, or Schwab, or whoever, and actually place the one or two trades I need to place to implement that advice. But when you combine the two, when you give someone control over your money, plus they're going to be dictating where the money goes, you raise the risk profile for fraud. Okay. Now, this is, this is rare. This doesn't happen a lot. You don't need to go running around scared, but it does happen. And you just don't have to do this. You don't have to. And even in a situation where trust should be super high with a mother, this is a reminder that sometimes that's not enough. So separate those functions. Be willing to receive financial advice. Implement it separately. If that's, if that's not enough, and in some instances it doesn't work. In some instances, hey, look, like, Someone may not be of sound mind, and therefore they can't do this. Currently, I like Vanguard's uh, advisory services. If I'm gonna, if someone said, Robert, I need someone to give discretion to and custody to, they charge about 30 basis points, 0.30%. Their advice is decent. It's not, it's not bad, it's not great, but it's decent. Paradoxically, the more money you have at Vanguard, the worse the advice will get. They start, they start trying to pitch you um, higher price products, but they're still, they're still, um, like not that expensive. So if you need someone to have that total custody, total discretion, go go with Vanguard. Uh, I think they're going to be a better favor. You don't have to go with these, these banks. Um, but I'd say my first choice is going to be hire a financial advisor who you can pay by the hour or just a flat fee who, who will give you advice and then you implement the advice. I like that degree of control. I also like folks learning how to do this themselves. I don't think there's any shortcut here. Uh, there's the, the idea that you're just going to hand things over and do no mind work of your own. That is unlikely to be optimal for you. What is going to be optimal is you understanding what's happening, implementing the advice, having someone sort through the financial psychological side of this. That is what's going to give you the best outcomes over time. You reading the books, got to read those books. Little Book of Common Sense Investing, Simple Path to Wealth, Psychology of Money, Richest Man in Babylon. These are the ones. Invest in yourself so you can invest for yourself, okay? Partner with a financial advisor that you trust, but that you don't just hand the keys to because you don't have to. Technology is so good in the 80s and the 70s, maybe you had to do this. You don't have to do it anymore. And if it sounds scary to you, I can, I can guarantee you, it's not. It's just, it's just you, haven't, you haven't taken that journey yet. So take the journey. Be willing uh, to work, do a little more work on the front end, because it is. It's always going to be easier to go hat in hand to a bank with a big, you know, shoebox full of files and say, "Do it. I'm out," and go play nine holes. That ain't going to cut it, though. You're not like they will do everything for you. That is true. The outcome will not be great. So let's focus on what we can control, and you know what we control. Keep your costs low, keep your investing simple, keep your time horizon.